0: Welcome to the Rethinking Humanity podcast, where we dive deeper into what makes us human and what causes us to thrive. I'm Lacey Delane. Hey, I'm Sonia Lorea. And it is episode 49, the handbag analogy. How can an analogy with handbags illustrate how we have turned humans from beings into things? And we discuss proper functioning, manipulative intelligence, and the split between emotion and intellect. Lastly, I will say, are you not a paid subscriber? You didn't hear my big news? Don't worry, I'm gonna tell you where I'm moving in today's episode, so stay tuned. But first, we wanna say a big thank you to all of you who have subscribed on Substack. We wanna start with thanking our free subscribers, Brad Swingruber. Bethany Williamson, Jen Durth, Mark Miller, Florence Tang, Carly Riley, Moma Ma Seplay, Aaron Seskin, Rebecca Koenig, and Corey Moore. They all became free subscribers since our last episode. Yay! Yay! Thank you for that, guys. We really appreciate you. And, of course, a huge thanks to our first two paid subscribers, Don Freeman and Cheryl Arnaman. Yay! Yay. And um, Sonia, I don't know if you saw, but Cheryl left a comment on our bonus episode.
1: Oh, I didn't see that.
0: Yeah. Isn't that cool? We love it when you leave comments, guys. Yay! Thank you, Cheryl. Yeah. Go show. Yeah. So, uh, what is Substack? Some of you might be asking. You may be listening to us the way you've been listening to us for since 2020 now on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Um, And so you may not know what we're talking about. And Spotify, I'm sorry, Substack (laughs) is a blog-like platform that's made for content creators like us to easily connect with you guys, our supporters. Um, And it's all kind of run through email subscription. So we like to say it's like a um, subscription-based online podcast community. And subscribers can post comments, read posts authored by Sonia and I. They can listen to the podcast on our Substack. They can hear bonus episodes and more. So to check it out, we want you to visit rethinkinghumanity.us or you can do rethinkinghumanity.substack.com. And if you want to become a subscriber, all you have to do is Go to RethinkingHumanity.us and enter your email address in the pop-up welcome window that appears, and then you choose your level of support. We have free, we have monthly paid or yearly paid, and that's it. You will be um, you will be subscribed. So uh, you can also check out all of our previous podcast episodes, our written posts, and get access to our bonus content and bonus episodes if you become a paid subscriber. And we also wrote a little piece describing who we are as a podcast, and it's pinned to that main page. So if you go to the main page and you see the picture of Sonia and I in front of the brick wall, um, you will see it says, Welcome to the Rethink Humanity podcast by uh, Lacey Delaney and Sonia Lorea If you click on that, you will be able to read a little bit about us. So, yeah, we have that. Um, I'm going to be sharing some of my paintings um, as we go is for bonus episodes as I'm learning to paint and we have so much more cool bonus content um, that we have in development for you guys. So thank you again to all of our subscribers. Thank you for, to our paid subscribers. And we are really excited to have moved over to Substack.
1: Cool. Thanks for that info, Lacey. Um, well, I wanted to start the podcast tonight with a little bit of information on a current event. I know last podcast we talked about all the crazy things that are happening in the world um, and how everyone's kind of like, oh my gosh, we're, we're living in some intense times. But there is some good news in the, in the current events area. It's the Inflation Reduction Act. So Congress passed that. And just to give people an idea, this is going to catalyze progress in green technology and its economic benefits will make passing additional legislation easier. It gives the U.S. the credibility it needs to lead a global effort to limit greenhouse gas emissions. So it's a big deal on climate. Big, big deal.
0: That's something that, um, well, all of us, not all of us, um, several several hundreds of thousands of folks in the US have been hoping for would come from the Biden administration. I think mm-hmm. Biden was hoping he would be able to pass some climate legislation. And it sounds like he was able to do that.
1: Yep. And that's um, in spite of the fact, that I don't think any Republicans voted for it. The way this article ends, and I love this in the world is a more hopeful place than it was just a few weeks ago. That to me is positive. Uh, step yeah. in the right direction because really the climate thing is huge you know if we don't have a planet we'll forget about it then all the stuff the money all the accumulation of stuff doesn't matter totally, <laughs> that's how totally. i look at it yeah so so that's actually really good news um also there's another little thing in there i don't know if you know but you know how we we you and i had this conversation today drug prices are going to be lowered because of that. really I just, you know. really really -hmm. But it's not going to start till 2025, which is also huge because we know the drugs, you know, going to get medicine here is expensive. So,
0: well, I'll just throw in my little story to back that up. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, I was going to mention this anyway, but I have a canker sore in my mouth that has been here for a week (laughs) and it's gotten worse, not better. And uh, it doesn't feel good. And sometimes it's a pain in the rear end to talk, but. I've been waiting and waiting and waiting to go get some medicine because a lot of times I'm learning that there's stuff in medicine and food that really isn't good for us. And they sneak that shit in there. And and a lot of stuff that's like legal in Europe or illegal in Europe is legal here and mm-hmm. whatever. So I was, w- I was waiting to go get meds until I really, really had to. And today I was like, I can't do this anymore. Now I'm getting another sore in my mouth that's caused... By the way, I'm compensating. And anyway, so I was like, I got to go get some drugs. So I went to the CVS and I bought two things. One of them was like a Oragel thing. And one of them is a a Breva over the counter. And it was $48, $48.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So you wonder how people can afford that. I'm like, I don't want to pay $48 for two
0: things that are over the counter for a mouth sore. Like, yeah. what the hell? How can it be this expensive? How do people make it, man? Like, I don't get it. They don't.
1: That's the problem. I yeah. don't. I just don't get it.
0: So that oh, is wonderful no. news to hear that they, that was a part of that bill.
1: Mm-hmm. It's part of the bill. So,
0: man. Yeah, so
1: uh, you know, out of all the crazy things that are happening all the time and that have Gotten me kind of down, and reading the news. That's that's a little helpful thing. So I thought that we'd bring that up in our current events.
0: Heck yeah! And I know that there. This article said that there were cynics, and they're saying like it's not that big of a deal. Um, but oh, and the other thing that I read in here too. Um, basically, all the negatives that there might be mm-hmm. from. I don't know. I don't know if there was like lack. Not lack of incentives, but there weren't punishments in there. Right? For... There, there,
1: were more pro things to, to incentivize people rather than yes, to, um, as you're saying, to than punishment, and that seemed to work.
0: That is a like that is a very very powerful concept if we can tap into that mm-hmm. and utilize it more because I just know that we're going to be a lot more motivated around things if there's a positive, you know, mm-hmm. then then if there's a negative. I mean, it's like a kid, like if you tell them you're gonna punish them, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, maybe that works for some kids, for some kids it really doesn't work. But for most kids, if you say, hey, and I'm not saying I do this, but if you say like, hey, if you do X, Y, Z, then you're gonna get this, that's a something positive that they like, then they wanna do that thing, you know? So agreed. Yeah, I think that was brilliant. And I think that might be part of why it was so successful. Sure, sure. Passing. So yes, I'm happy about that. We um, uh, definitely invite you to look that up if you don't know anything about it, if you haven't been paying attention to it. Um, Other news that came out this week was that Trump's Mar-a-Lago home. I believe that was Mar-a-Lago is his home. I -hmm. thought it was like a resort, but is it his home? I think so.
1: That's that's a good question. You're right. I was thinking it was. I don't know. I think it's a residence of his. Yes. A residence.
0: Okay. So that was raided by the FBI this week. Did you see that?
1: I did see that, but I didn't read about the details.
0: Yeah. I don't know a whole lot of Um, details either but I think um, it's quite interesting and to me it kind of signals something big maybe on the horizon just because I've been watching the Jelaine Maxwell um, series Mm -hmm. like docu-series Mm -hmm. and it's, it's been super interesting to watch that but Um, you know, there were, they did the FBI raid on Jeffrey Epstein's house and it didn't take long before that, before that was the beginning of the end, I guess I should say it did take long, but that was the beginning of the end. So I just wonder
1: if, yeah.
0: yeah, if this is maybe, um, a step in the right direction because, you know, apparently there's some things that really need to be looked at. And so I'm hopeful that 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 happens.
1: Let's keep our fingers crossed. Yep.
0: Yep. Yep. So cool. Well, before we go into our content, which uh, we'll start with today, the title of the episode, the handbag analogy, I want to share with all of you listeners um, where I'm moving to, because I announced that I had big news last week. Um, on our regular episode, and I shared with our paid subscribers all the details about where and why and how, all the details I could fit in 15 minutes, by the way, (laughs) because it wasn't a, the bonus episode was not like a 40 minute episode, but anyway, I um, was going to share with you all where I'm moving to, so are we ready, Sonia, can we have a drum roll, please? All right. <laughs> uh,
1: I don't want to do that. Espana. <laughs> yeah, Lacey. That's Spain for people that don't know Spanish, but most people probably do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Lacey's going to Europe, people. Woo. Cool. So, um, yeah. Uh, if you want to know more, Listen check out along. our bonus content. Yeah, exactly. T- check. I'll, I'll tell you more details, but. It's coming soon, Um, yeah, and and you're you're likely to see some bonus content pop up as the journey goes along over to Europe and in Spain, but um, like I said, get all the details on our latest bonus episode,
1: people. Check it out.
0: Yeah. All right, cool. So let's talk about this handbag analogy. This is something Sonia, I believe I've mentioned before on a podcast episode, but I don't know that I've done a great job of explaining it. Um, but this is kind of relating humans to to handbags in a way mm-hmm. that helps it describe how we've turned ourselves into things.
1: Yes, yes. Um, I love this, and this is what um I thought people could really relate to this because um, the idea of us being a thing is takes it to us. Are we marketable? Are we valuable? And the thing that struck me in this section is the average person today feels alone. Mm-hmm. He feels himself to be a commodity. By which I mean he feels that his value depends on his success, depends on his Saleability depends on approval of by others.
0: Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think that part is very apparent. Our approval by others. I think it's so much more deep seated than we even realize, but social media being so important. And, you know, we've read some of Sherry Turkle stuff and it's like young people and, you know, some not so young people, their lives are like driven in some ways by how many likes they're getting or how much attention they're getting on social media.
1: Right. And I think the, the idea of the aloneness, uh, struck me. I had a long conversation with a good friend of mine who's also feeling, we both talked about how society, there is a really isolation in society today and people really don't have the kindness and the caring that you need to me to have a functioning society. Mm. And why is that? Because I also do think the media, the social media is has an impact because you can kind of disappear in that world, which is not reality. And I know like the younger generation, and as you pointed out, there could be people of different ages that sort of depend on that for their, for their networks. And while there's value in being able to connect with other people, I'm not going to deny that. I don't think ultimately relying on that is good for us as humans.
0: Yeah, agreed. And I think just the way that we live, at least in the U.S., I would say it's much more of like modern culture, mm-hmm. modern industrial culture. But definitely in the U.S., we live in a, live more isolated lives. People live... Alone, it's it's very customary to have your own apartment or to live by yourself, and then uh, you know w- we spend a lot of time with screens, and when we're alone, we end up on screens, and so Absolutely. instead of running to a neighbor, a person in person or community, most of the time it's easier for all of us. To, go, to reach out for that screen, that phone, that computer, that TV. And what I think we're seeing, especially since the pandemic, is that people are starting to really feel this burden of feeling alone, feeling lonely, feeling isolated, even alienated, I guess, more so, more heavy in a heavier way than they ever have before. Um, And I think it was an issue before the pandemic, but I think just like,
1: yeah. Exacerbated. We we were talking about this today. So what you're saying about the neighbor, you don't know your neighbor, your neighbor doesn't, you know, most people are, like you said, a lot of people live alone. They're going back and forth, you know, to work. It's it's a very isolating existence. Uh, One of the things we talked about with my friend, which I could really relate to, she told me a story that the. Her husband's car broke down. She was in the emergency room. She had some issues. But anyway, the husband's car broke down. He was waiting for hours and hours for the, um, you know, like the AAA thing. Yeah. And she said the crazy thing is you would call, and I've had this problem too with other things, and you just get computers. You don't get a real person. Mm-hmm. And then by the time, you know, it's like 100 and something degrees out whenever it was really hot. And there's not like even people, real people that are that you can talk to. So the frustrating part about that is, oh, the other thing he told her, this is a funny story. We were talking about the medical thing, like what you're talking about, Lacey. Well, we're talking about drug prices and stuff. But one of the things we talked about is how, when you call, you get, you just get like somebody repeating something. It's not like doing a real conversation. So this was a funny thing. She said to her husband, I'm gonna call and talk to someone. He goes, honey, they're gonna look at a screen just like you are. So what you're getting is you're not getting like answers. Mm. You're getting people reading off of a machine. Mm. And I thought that was really interesting because that's how I felt when I call about different problems. Mm. You know, there is no, it's just this incredible sort of disconnect with people. Mm. And that's hard. You know, that's hard when you're trying to problem solve.
0: It's hard too when it's so against who we are as a species, as a, uh, you know, as humans, like we just naturally want to connect with each other, you know, and just to connect and to be heard and seen and helped and to help other people. So I love what you're saying about the screen. He's just going to look at a screen just like you are. It's, yeah, it's silly. And it's kind of, you know, part of one of the things that we're going to talk about in a little bit, but it's like, the, the machine has kind of taken over mm-hmm. and now we are slaves in a way we are servants. We, this thing that we've been so excited about creating um, has pigeonholed us in a way that's, that we were, were like, Whoa, what happened? Like, what do we do? We lost our autonomy. We've lost this connection. And I'm not, you know, like 100% against technology. I'm not over here saying no technology. I'm just saying You know that there's some things that we that there's some ways that it's developed that's been really hurtful to us.
1: Yeah, I agree. It really has been, and I think until we, you know, people decide we want to do something different, live differently, this is what you're going to see. And we were actually brainstorming like, what could we do that would be different? What would be um, a way to like have a connection? And we were talking about how sometimes people make it. You and I've talked about this, like communal living, or they make intentions that they want to live differently. And Mm -hmm. so they create their own sort of community or make decisions that would allow them to live more connected with people. And that's really what you have to do because society isn't going to do it for you.
0: Mm -hmm. That's so true. It's so true that in order to live a healthy life, in order to live a life of well-being, it has to be done by the individual the onus is on the individual in this society because if you just kind of go with the flow and just let the environment shape you it's not going to shape you in a way that's going to be uh healthy and fulfilling and like it's not it's not a providing an opportunity for autonomy at all (laughs) you know right um
1: what did you think in this section too of from he talks about that um, the self-esteem of most people today is very shaky. Mm-hmm. Um, th- what What were you thinking about that? Because I think he's uh, attaching that to, you know, your worthiness. Because obviously our worthiness is, or part of that would be is how people see us, how we're approved by others. Did, yeah. Does that, do you relate to any of that? Or what do you think? Yeah.
0: About? I mean, I don't know. This is interesting because I think a lot of us really are very shaky, our self-esteem, but I don't think a lot of us are super aware of it. I think that people are not, it is an unconscious shaky self-esteem. And um, yeah,
1: I agree. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And we need, I don't think we're aware of how much we need things more than not necessarily people, but, things to help us feel good about ourselves,
1: you know? Right. Kind of uh, like, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting because I think if you were asking someone, they might not really be aware, but I think we're all kind of caught in that trap Yeah, we, we are kind of defined by the things.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, how do we know whether we're successful in this country? How much yeah. money do you have, right?
1: Money. Yeah, if you're not living on the street. <laughs> well, I would even say, like, I would
0: point to this, this whole FOMO idea would be an, another example. So, for example, I've been through periods of my life where I was like, wow, I'm not, like, out at a bar with friends right now. What's wrong with me? Like, I'm mm-hmm. not approved. I'm not cool. I couldn't just... Be home and be like it's Friday night. I'm home and I'm not doing anything with anybody, and be okay about it. You know what I'm yeah, saying?
1: I think that's the culture. It's yes, the culture is saying yeah it's to be a certain way, and that's where I think the intention comes in of of attempting to say, okay, these this is how I'm going to live, or these are the people I'm going to surround myself with. Yeah, but it's not always easy. Yeah, depending uh, no. on the stage of life you're in and what you're doing or not doing.
0: Yeah, I think it's like you're saying, it comes down to what your personal values are. What do you really want to be doing? Because it's not about, like, you know, how our society um, evaluates your own value, i.e., are you going out to bars with a bunch of cool people? Are you drinking a lot? Are you whatever it is for whatever stage of life you're in? Do you, are you like retired and you have a home that's in your traveling? Like, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. it's not about that. It's about what is it that you want to do with your life and your time? You oh, know, yeah. I, I think that this is a really cool follow-up to that first party. said about him saying the average person today feels alone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He says he feels that it does not depend on the intrinsic. This is kind of going back to what I'm saying about, like, I got to go out and do things that would be, would show my approval in an extrinsic way, externally, you know? He doesn't feel like it depends on the intrinsic or what you might call use value of his personality, not on his powers, not on his capacity to love, not on his human qualities, except if he can sell them. So like you, someone who was a good painter Mm -hmm. in our society wouldn't find um, self self Uh, value in himself or self-confidence and the fact that he was a good painter and he knew it and he did paintings and he just did one painting after the next. And he was happy with that. He would have to know that he was a good painter because people bought his paintings.
1: Yeah. That's
0: that's what I think he's trying to say here.
1: Mm -hmm. I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that goes back to the marketing character.
0: Right. Except if he can sell them, except if he can be successful, except he except if he is approved by others. But right. then I think we really get to the being mode of existence when we go, I don't really give a shit what anybody thinks. I really enjoyed making this painting, and I'm gonna make the painting and I'm gonna keep making the paintings. And if people like it, great. And if they don't, cool. And you know what? The trick is is like that's actually when people start to really like <laughs> your stuff you know well
1: and i also think it always goes back to something a theme that we've talked about on this podcast is that we don't live in a world that allows us that kind of freedom and so we um, brought up the universal basic income that i think hopefully yeah. someday maybe we'll get to see that but that would allow one you know to do these things that you want to do without needing to get paid yeah. That's that, that's a big issue.
0: Oh, I'm such a huge basic income advocate. Oh my gosh. You know I that.
1: Know. Oh yeah, <laughs> I know. And me too. And I've seen I've seen how there's been so many um pilot programs that have been successful and I really think it would change, you know, change many things in in our lives if we could have a base foundation.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. Me too, especially um, for single mothers, for women who are in not the greatest relationships, it would give them a foundation and a, it's I think, like, a, yeah. more of an, yeah, more of an ability yeah, to Yeah, young people speak now up. that
1: can't because, yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people, retired young people, um, anyone who's not, you know, hasn't got this big bank account, that is how we value people. And so, therefore, you would have a more of an even keel of, of um, you know, the disparity would be less.
0: Yes. Yes, totally. So, we're going to get to the handbag analogy now. Cool. So, let me read this. Naturally, when the feeling of self-esteem is dependent upon others, it becomes uncertain. Each day is a new battle because each day you have to convince someone... And you have to prove to yourself by convincing that someone that you are all right. To use an analogy, I would suggest that you consider how handbags would feel on a counter in a store. The handbag of one particular style, of which may have been sold, would feel elated in the evening. And the other handbag of a style a little out of fashion or a little too expensive or which for some reason or the other had not been sold, would be depressed. The one handbag would feel, I am wonderful. And the other handbag would feel, I am unworthy. And yet the wonderful handbag may not be more beautiful or more useful or have any better intrinsic quality than the other one. The unsold handbag would feel it was not wanted. In our analogy, a handbag's sense of value would depend on its success on how many purchasers on, uh, I'm sorry, on how many purchases for one reason or another preferred the
1: one to the other. Yeah. I love that. That is a really cool analogy.
0: Yeah. He goes on to say in human terms, that means that one must be peculiar that one's own personality must always be open to change in order to conform to the latest model. Oh, so,
1: yeah, yes. There we go. It's again, you know, to me, there's like the marketability. Mm-hmm. Well, hmm when you're talking about human beings, that's a sad, sad state of affairs.
0: Well, it, it seems hard to feel confident in who you are in a situation like this because it's like, it seems like you're just always trying to change if you're looking for something outside of you to approve you.
1: Yeah. You know, what's interesting As I listen to this meditation thing at night, which I haven't told you this, but this is so so cool. So yeah. one of the things the woman talks about that I talked, that I listened to last night, she said she, you know, she, she talks to people and helps them. And one of the girls writes her, she goes, what am I going to do? She's afraid of aging. She goes, when I'm not 30 and I'm not cute and I'm not lovable, how am I going to live my life? Wow. And I thought that was pretty powerful.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's kind of fits into what we're talking about right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. what am I going to do when I'm not, you know. Mm. And so well, she's, you know, society like it's about, you know, how we're kind of ingrained to to think we have to be just what you're saying, kind of, you know, uh be these certain things to to get love.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's clear her line of thinking in that question, right? And and many of our line of thinking in that question, like youth, you know, and beauty is how we find our value. Sure. You know?
1: Sure. So I think I, it really goes along with the handbag, you know?
0: Yeah, for, for sure. sure. That's really good. Yeah. Okay. Now we're going to talk about proper functioning. The marketing character goal, which is, proper functioning under the given circumstances makes the wor- makes them respond to the world mainly cerebrally. I love this reason in the sense of understanding is an exclusive quality of homo sapiens manipulative intelligence as a tool for the achievement of practical purposes is common to animals and humans. Manipulative intelligence without reason is dangerous because it makes people move in directions that may be self-destructive from the standpoint of reason. In fact, the more brilliant the uncontrolled manipulative intelligence is, the more dangerous it is. Wow. Mm-hmm. I, I, what I loved about that, though, was this whole idea of proper functioning. Like, you need to function properly. Mm-hmm. Pr- excuse me. You need to function properly in society and how you do that is you don't feel, you go to work every morning, you don't think too hard, you eat whatever they put in front of you. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah, Um, absolutely.
1: Don't question anything, just,
0: you know, whatever.
1: Now Hmm. I hear that. Yeah. The proper functioning is us kind of obeying the, the rules of whatever the machine whatever we need to do to fit in.
0: Right. This is what he, how he defines it. He says, reason, dis- reason discerns causes and relationships, how they are and why they are that way. Manipulative intelligence is concerned only with how a person can better use things for himself. Reason is specifically human is effective only insofar as man has freed himself from irrational passions and desires. His manipulative intelligence, on the other hand, is excited and increased by greediness. The greedy person is sly. The reasonable person is smart. The dependent person becomes stupid. The independent person becomes wiser. The more man wants to have and the more he makes himself dependent on things and is bound to them, the more he will become a prisoner of things. Stupidity is not a result of deficient innate intelligence but rather of deficient freedom. Oh my God. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Stupidity is not a result of deficient innate intelligence, but rather of deficient freedom. Interesting. Um, And he says reason develops only in freedom, not only in freedom from external coercive forces, i.e. manipulation, i.e a society that tells you what to do and what to think all the time, but also from internal coercive forces of confinement in its numerous manifestations. Hmm. I don't know exactly what that means to you. Internal um, coercive forces. What do you think? I'll read that again. Okay. He says reason develops only in freedom, not only in freedom from external coercive devices. So like media, all that, mm-hmm. but also from internal coercive forces of confinement in its newer numerous manifestations internal
1: internal would probably be the messages that we internalize
0: ah okay yeah like you should live like this and Mm -hmm. you should live like that yeah that makes sense wow and he says to sum it up all up he says cognizant reason is a child of freedom and its development leads to ever-growing freedom hmm
1: yeah autonomy is huge you know yeah it is and we don't we lack a lot of that as you're saying yeah you know, that's that's the the struggle today
0: or sure hm So the next section he talks a little bit about the split between emotion and intellect I wonder what your thoughts are on that just hearing me say it just in itself without reading anything. Mm. I mean, we've talked a little bit too about the left brain and the right brain thing. Um, so, I mean,
1: it's, it's a, it's a real struggle because I think as human beings, we really act from emotions more than we do intellect. Um, but, and you know, there's, there's obviously, you can see both sides of that, why you need both of those, those aspects of yourself. Um, the problem, I would say, is that we, you know, you're you're trying to reason, you're trying to use the intellect, but the emotions are definitely going to be an influence. And so just the things we're talking about tonight, if you're looking for approval or love, that's emotional. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's what's going to drive you. And if the culture says you have to be certain things, it's hard to go against that. So mm-hmm. again, I'll go back to my original statement that you have to kind of look for ways that you can live differently. Mm -hmm.
0: It's very true. And I think too, as much as the emotions underlie all of it, I think on the surface, our intellect kind of is the driving force behind our society. And it's, it's, it's less about like, let's stop and feel through and, you know, get the data from our feelings and mm-hmm. our emotions and then make a decision. It's more like, we're we're like in our heads all the time, you know, everything's in an intellectually driven from the perspective of like, how does that play into our socioeconomic structure? How does that play into, you know, the machine running production and consumption? Mm-hmm. Um. He says, why we have developed in a top heavyweight is a very interesting question. Why, within three or four centuries, has all our emphasis shifted more and more to intellect and more and more away from rationality and intensity of affect? There is not space to discuss this, but it has a great deal to do with our mode of production, with our increasing emphasis on technique, with our necessity to develop intellect for purposes of science and science for the purposes of technique. We cannot quite separate the society in which production becomes a paramount purpose from human development, in which intellect becomes a paramount value. But if we are to overcome our moral problem today, we must make a very serious effort to overcome the split between affect and intellect or emotions and intellect. We must restore the person to his totality, or as I would rather say, to his reality, I am not a mind and a body. I am I, and you are you, and my heart and my feelings can be just as rational as my thought. And My thought can be just as irrational as my heart, but I cannot even speak of my heart and my thought because they are one. They are only two aspects of the same phenomenon. There's one logic, one rationality, one irrationality that pervades them both. Whether we study psychosomatic illness or whether we study the phenomena of mass hysteria, It is all the same. Thought is made stupid by feeling, and thought can be enlightened by feeling, and vice versa. Sometimes one can see in psychoanalysis that a person consciously on the surface, I think this is really good, thinks he is very happy. He loves his wife, he loves his children, and he is very happy. If you dig a little deeper, this follows He makes a good living, he is successful. Financially, and is respected. Therefore, he assumes that he has to feel happy. So, his feeling happy is actually an assumption about feeling happy. Then you go a step deeper and you might say to this man, Look here, I have watched your face now for several sessions, and I think you look awfully sad and depressed. What are you sad about? Then you might find that this person who has said for 20 years, who has said that for 20 years he has never cried, suddenly remembers something from his childhood and cries uncontrollably. You find that to protect himself from the sadness, he had to protect himself from feeling. And over this protection from feeling, he put an illusion of feeling something that was nothing but a logical assumption.
1: I think that's pretty common. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And so he's talking about, we're both, you know, we are both the, emotions and the intellect. And he gives a great example of someone having this illusion of a certain life and not that not really being completely accurate and not being in touch with his or herself. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I've noticed this in my own journey where I'm, you know, my own journey of growth, where I'm like, I'm more in my head. I'm not in my emotions or in my body. I mean, I'll give you an example of a, a place where it's common for us to be in our head and not in our bodies and therefore not present in the moment. And that's in sex. Like, if you overthink what you're doing, it's weird and you can't do it. Like, it's mm-hmm. like you're just not in it. It's like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's weird. Everybody would say it was weird, but. If you were only looking at it from an intellectual standpoint, one might right. say that, mm-hmm. right? But there are things beyond the intellect and it's a part of our species. It's a part of our nature to connect in that way. And so if you think about it too much, it just doesn't work. <laughs>
1: you know? yeah, I think that's with a lot of things that you have to achieve that kind of flow. Um, and so you have to let go of of the intellect, which is a challenge, you know, for human beings. Definitely.
0: I think it's interesting how he makes the connection too of the man who thinks he's happy and then he's convinced himself that he's Mm -hmm. happy. But the the connection between that and becoming so intellectually minded Because, because we're so focused and obsessed with the intellectual and we've shut off our emotions, we can't feel. So we don't really know how we feel. And so, and then until it's kind of like habitual. Yeah. Yeah. And then until we're, something happens and we decide to, you know, go, go to therapy and then that's helpful. And then you realize, wow, I haven't been in touch with my emotions at all.
1: Sure. That's when you do some deep soul searching. Yeah. I think that's a a great, uh, a great example. Like I said, I think it's very common. Yeah. Yep, and and um this is good stuff.
0: Yeah, really good. I really enjoyed it. Yay! And we hope you guys did too. <clears throat> and we hope you will join us on Substack. Again, you can find us there rethinkinghumanity.us. You can also go to rethinkinghumanity.substack.com. There's some other great writers podcasts on Substack. If you haven't checked it out, we highly recommend you do so. If you have a uh apple phone you can download the substack reader app and if you're Mm -hmm. following us or if you're subscribed to us it'll pop up on your home screen when Mm -hmm. we release something new
1: yeah it's i i uh recommend it for sure
0: yeah and i'm excited about the making one for android because i don't have it on my phone i have to borrow mo's phone to look at it
1: (laughs) Soon. Uh. soon you will
0: Yes. Well, um, thank you guys for being with us. We appreciate you. We hope to see you soon on the stack and we hope you have a wonderful evening or day or whatever it is. Yeah. And we'll see you next Thanks,
1: time. Guys, bye-bye. Bye. Bye.